Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag Utah Jazz. Conley trying to get it to Clarkson right now. They alter his route, so it ends up into a pick and roll with Conley and Gobert. Step back, hops into a three and hit it. Okay, that's incredible. Bogey to the front court, stutter steps, leaves it behind for Donovan. Catch and shoot three, perfect. Donovan prancing into the middle lane. A little ballet step for two and up and in. Donovan's got himself 27. Utah Jazz trying to extend the little win streak they built up there at the end of the Road trip, won three in a row for the first time this season. Can they make it four in a row at home tonight against an Atlanta Hawk team that is five and five but has struggled lately? They just beat the Sixers to snap a four-game losing streak. So they've lost four of their last five as they come in to play the Jazz tonight, seven o'clock. Joe Ingles out, right Achilles soreness. Derek Favors listed as probable right knee soreness. You got any thoughts on tonight's game? Anything you want to share with the people? <laughs> I love the people. Uh, well, I think that, you know, it's an opportunity to get a victory. It is an opportunity to get a victory and one that they uh, should not give away. This, is, uh, this has been the problem. Not the record against teams with winning records. It's their record against teams uh, with losing records. And I realize the Hawks are right at 500. But for my purposes, non-winning teams. I'm lumping them with the teams with losing records. Uh, one thing I have heard about favors in this uh, constant um, listing on the injury report with that right knee soreness, whatever is going on in there is chronic and is going back to when he was here the first time. And one of the reasons he was willing to take a backup role, less minutes, less money, because I really thought he could get more, uh, was knowing that it wasn't best for his knee to be playing 30 or 35 minutes a night. And at this uh Knee, he could be on the he could be on the injury report on and off all year long. That this is just something we're just going to see all the time. It's it's the way it is. So maybe playing uh, the fifteen to twenty minutes behind Rudy will, uh, will prolong his career and, and help him battle that knee. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. NBA action last night. The Pacers beat the Blazers 111-87, to but the story of the game, Nurkic getting hurt again. Out with the broken leg last year. Now it's his wrist. PK, this is a huge, huge negative for the Blazers. Yeah, you, you seem to think Nurkic is a lot better than I think he is. I mean, obviously it's a negative, but I don't know that he's a big difference maker. I think he's their third guy, and I think he's the only guy who's got some size. So, granted, if you list all the guys, you know, on talent, is he that much better than everybody else? No. I think it's what he is versus who else they can plug in. And, you know, not following him every day. Maybe this year they got some backup who's on his way up, who just needs a chance and who's going to grow and blossom. But, man, when he went down last year, they didn't have anybody. Well, they didn't have Cantor. Uh, they've got Cantor this year. Uh, Zach Collins is perpetually injured. I like the kid out of Vegas who went to Gonzaga, but he just can't seem to get healthy. Uh, Gary Trent, got a, 
is a guy off the bench. Uh, Giles is another guy. But, uh, yeah, they don't really have anybody. I, I understand that. I agree with you there. I just don't think that he's a big difference maker. You know, a couple of years ago, they were in the conference final, and they were on the easier side of the bracket and all of that. We don't have to relitigate and rehash all of that. But they didn't come anywhere near that without him last year, and I suspect looking around the West that without him, they're not going to come anywhere near it this year. We'll see. Rockets, they make the big trade. All the pieces aren't in place yet. They're incredibly shorthanded. But, man, those guys were just happy to be playing basketball with less drama, PK. Shorthanded Rockets, Noel Depot. No Gordon. They win anyway. They beat the Spurs 109-105. Yeah, I think a lot of it is what you just said there about the no drama. Yeah. And so you can go out and just play ball and, and not have to worry about one big negative, who obviously was just, just the, the proverbial dark cloud was just about as big a cloud as you're going to ever find. Um, you, you know, that, that was just an awful situation, obviously. And they got rid of it. And they go out and get a victory. Christian Wood looking good and... Well, the guy's looking good, and away they go. At the very least, they should be better because they can concentrate on playing ball. I also forgot to mention John Wall was out also. It was uh, Oladipo, uh, Gordon Wall. Wow. 27 points for Christian Wood, 15 boards. Big game there. And speaking of big games, the Jazz are going to see the Nuggets. And Jokic has 23 points, 14 rebounds, 10 assists. He has a triple-double. Nuggets beat the Warriors 114-104. Never really blew them out, PK, but flipping back in commercial breaks uh, during the BYU game, it just seemed like they were always in control of that game. Never never overwhelming them, but never really letting them, letting them in there at the end of the game either. That's what you saw when you flipped back from commercial breaks? Yes. Okay. Sixers blow out the Heat. The Heat were uh, shorthanded. They were missing most of their big names. Uh, they didn't have Jimmy Butler. They didn't have Adebayo, so easy win for the Sixers there. Brooklyn Nets GM Sean Marks meeting with reporters telling them that uh, Durant and Irving have conviction about the direction of the franchise with the addition of James Harden. Committed to gelling together and making on-court sacrifices to make things work. Aren't we in the we'll believe it when we see it mode? Oh, yeah. I mean, what's he going to come out and say? Uh, I mean, this really has no chance to work. We just (laughs) thought we'd give it a shot. uh, And maybe if things, everybody comes together and Kyrie stops acting like, you know what, maybe we maybe we can just hit lightning in a bottle. You know, it was worth a shot, but I'm not expecting much. Next question. (laughs) DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. The Utes, 79 points, PK, with the Utes, the Cougars, and the Aggies all on TV and all the games spread out so you can watch them all. I don't know who I thought was going to score 79 points, but I didn't think it was the Utes. They had a nine-point halftime lead instead of 10, but they came out, kept taking the ball to the hoop, got some layups, got to the line, and held off Stanford and won that game, 79-65. After what they've been going through, that had to feel pretty good. Well, I was flicking back and forth between them and Dr. Phil. You were not. And... (laughs) Dr. Phil of all of them. <laughs> he, I could have gone Ellen. You know, he had options. Yeah, Ellen would have been a good one, too. I could have gone Ellen. Uh, uh, yeah, it was the best game the Utes have played all season. I was a little nervous there, thinking, oh, please not 10. Please not 10. <laughs> uh, and it was just nine. Uh, There's a couple things there. Uh, I thought Stanford, geez, I've, I've seen Stanford play a few times this season. They just looked absolutely awful. 
I mean, De Silva just running over people, getting three offensive fouls. They were loose with the ball. Miss, Didn't seem like they had much throws. of a di- much direction. Well, yeah, they shot 73%. And they shot. They missed eight, I think it was. Uh, and defensively, I thought they were losing guys left and right. But this is what Larry was talking about. This is what the team's capable of doing. And they played really, really well. They played consistent, played consistent ball. They didn't shoot the three very well. I think only four of 17. But uh, then when they, uh, Stanford went on a nine nothing, got it up to 18. Stanford went on a what, nine nothing run. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh boy, here we go. But they reestablished control and you know, plumber game a little bit. Allen is, is a product that you can count on most games to be your leading scorer. And obviously he was. And uh, Carlson played one of his better games. It's funny because for some reason, Carlson seems to play well against Stanford. 12 and, combined blocks in three and, games. Yeah, it just makes no sense. But when they play Stanford, he comes alive for some dumb reason, some strange reason, not dumb reason, but some strange reason. And this is what they were capable of, and they put it together. Now, that's great. You know, it's one game. But, you know, you, sh- you should beat Cal coming up, and Cal's yep. not a very good. No. Terrible. So... I wanted him to go four zero on this home stand. Uh, the best they can do is go two and two, but at least for a game, it showed what they can do. Well, Larry was talking about the effort and the energy on defense, and the offense has got to come around. And you know, they gave up sixty five points and they won. They gave up sixty five to Colorado and they lost. They gave up sixty four to USC and they lost. This is all about the offensive end of the floor, and and finally getting that untracked. Cal's one and six in the Pac twelve, so. Right. An excellent chance to put together back-to-back wins before they go on the road. And when they go on the road, they get to play Washington, who's 0-6 in the Pac-12. So. Oh, Washington stinks, yeah. Right, so the there's team. two of the next three games are against terrible teams. Uh, they, they, could, they could get above 500, depending on what they do at Washington State. But Cal on Saturday, first things uh, first. That's tomorrow night, 8 o'clock on ESPNU. Then the, uh, then the Aggies played San Diego State, and you used the phrase grinded out game. Well, that fit perfectly on this one. Boy, baskets were so hard to come by. But Utah State, with the exception of about mm, four or five minutes of the start of the, first, of the second half, they had San Diego State completely locked down. And their defense wasn't terrible in those four or five minutes, but it just kind of looked like a normal college basketball game for four or five minutes. And then the Aggie, the Aggie defense just overwhelmed San Diego State again. Yeah, I didn't use the phrase we'll grind out. You did, but uh, yeah, take it any way you can get it there. And uh, Kata was the best player out on the floor. I don't think that was any big surprise. He did what he needed to do. Brock Miller made some shots, and the uh, Aztecs couldn't buy a bucket. And Great win. Anytime you go 7-0 and in conference, yeah, great opportunity for you. Rematch tomorrow at 11 a.m. You can see it on CBS. Pre-game with Scotty G on the zone at 10.30. And then he'll have the call here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And then the night wrapped up with BYU beating St. Mary's with a 17-2 run to close the game. They were down 50-45. to They gave up one bucket in the last 12 minutes and only two points in the last 10. There were a few free throws there in the 10-12 to minute mark. But BYU's defense nearly shutting St. Mary's out. They did shut him out for nine minutes. Nearly shutting him out at the end of the game there. Uh, outstanding job there to put that run together at the end of the game. I, I didn't think they were going to do it. They were, they were trailing the whole game, trading buckets. It was so hard to score, but 17-2 over 10 minutes is awesome. Well, I flicked over from CSI Miami, and what I saw there was not a very good team at St. Mary's. And BYU finally getting it together. 
I, I mean, I, to me, I had no doubt that they could do it. They just had to find a way. I think they have better talent. I thought Everett played very well down the stretch. That was so cool, that one play when he gets mm-hmm. his shot blocked, and he yeah. looked like a little dude almost uh, crawling there among the Giants, and he catches his own ball and does a little reverse layup. That, you don't see that very often, and, and that was nice. Uh, I would like to see uh, Barcelo shoot more than he did. Uh, I don't know what was going on there, but he's their best scorer, and to me, he didn't get enough FGAs. Uh, and Loner, this kid, man, he is a rebounding machine. <laughs> you really have to give it up to him. I can see why so many of these programs wanted him for just a young kid. He's got the great bod, got the great do, but you know, we heard you know he had bounce. I'd heard about him. I'd never seen him play until he got to the college level. But, man, he can really, really board. He deserves his playing time. And so... Uh, I give them credit defensively because if the other team's not scoring for 10 minutes, you certainly have to get some credit. But it seems like St. Mary's missed a ton of shots that uh, were either inside or outside. and I just didn't think they were very good, and I'm not sure they are very good this year compared to what they've been in the past. To me, there's no doubt in my mind they're not as good. But none of that matters. Uh, BYU went uh, over to Moraga and got that win that they needed to get. And they had the battle from behind. They should have a lot of confidence after getting smoked by Gonzaga. But pretty much every team is probably going to get smoked by Gonzaga in the WCC. I don't think there's any question about that. Took Gonzaga a little bit to go last night. But when they got going, they just ran away uh, and hid and won easily. So they're the class, obviously. But for the Cougars, it was a nice win. Southern Utah's nine-game win streak is over. They lost at Eastern Washington, 75-63. Dixie State's playing UT Rio Grande Valley. UVU's facing Seattle in WAC play tonight. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. He's a lot younger than me. I mean, he's mm-hmm. 18 months younger. Well, 18 months ago, I felt pretty good. So I've got a little uh, advanced age on him and experience. But um, I'm hanging in there. He's had a terrific year. I've known him for a long time. Um, always had a great amount of respect for him and think so much of him as a person, as a player. And I think there's just a lot of mutual respect. Tom Brady on his matchup with Drew Brees, 40-year-old quarterbacks meeting up. And I think the stat in this game is that Tampa Bay is 1-5 in five in a regular season as playoff teams, 10-0 and 0 against teams that miss the playoffs. Now, they beat a playoff team in Washington last week, but obviously that's a team that was 7-9 and nine, that was on their third quarterback. So I don't want to give them too much credit for that. I, I'm assuming New Orleans is going to beat them a third time, PK. Uh, I can see why you would say that, but the word assume, in my mind, it conjures up that it's pretty much a given and it's going to be easy to do. And I'm not sure I can go that far. And maybe I'm just reading too much into the word assume, and that's on me, and it's not the way you mean it, but that's the way I take it when I hear assume. Like it's almost to the point of inevitable that it's going to happen, and I'm not sure I see that. I think I give the Bucks more credit. Not necessarily saying that that's the way you mean it, it's just the way I take it. Well, I will say that uh, you got to be careful with assumptions in football because we have seen any time, if you go out and turn the ball over, you can get beat. And you could, there could be a much bigger talent gap than there is, than I perceive there to be between these two teams. You go out and turn it over three times, that talent gap doesn't matter. You lose the game. So maybe assume is not the perfect word there. I will say this, that as far as turnovers in the two matchups between these teams, when the Saints won them both, 
Uh, they won the the at the first game of the year, and the rematch later. When you would think the Bucks with all these new pieces would be gelling, the Bucks got just drilled. It was thirty-eight to three. The Saints crushed them in yeah. Tampa Bay. But the turnovers in those two games combined in the two games, the Saints only had two turnovers, and the Bucks had six. So it really is the Bucks have got to flip those turnover numbers if they're going to have a chance. I will say that if I'm going to use the word assume, it, it, you know how they do the the. I've, I've never done them, but I've seen people do the, the confidence points picks. You, you pick the games, but there's points assigned to each one based on how confident you are. So with four games, the game that you think is the closest and the hardest to pick, you just make it a one-point game. The game you're sure of, you make a four-point game. I think this weekend I would make it the three-point game. I think the four-point game is the Rams and Packers. The Rams aren't the Rams if the Rams don't have their pass rush. And Donald looked hurt against Seattle. Now, they always hide this stuff, and we never know. But when I see a guy, you know, the core is everything, right? When I see a guy grabbing his, whether his ribs, abdominal, whatever it is they're hiding or lying hey, he says us, he's good this week. Come I know. On. And, you know, and if he is, then they've got a shot. I don't believe it. He admitted he's sore, though. You don't have a pass rush. If you don't have a great pass rush, you're not, you're not bothering Aaron Rodgers. He's having an awesome year. So I think I'd probably give the Packers four and then give the Saints three. The Chiefs are playing a hot, unpredictable team in the Browns. And the Chiefs haven't been blowing people out. They've played a lot of close games in the second half of the season, a lot of one-score one games, so one mistake can get you beat. And then the Ravens, Ravens-Bills almost feels like a toss-up to me. So I'll, I, that's the one-point game. I think the team most likely to win on the road this week is the Ravens in my mind. Okay. Jaguars officially hired Urban Meyer. We thought it was going to happen yesterday. We're waiting for the essentially the time of the press conference. And so now it's done and Urban's talking. I've analyzed this decision from every angle. The time is right in Jacksonville. And the time is right for me to return to coaching. I'm excited about the future of this organization and our long-term prospect for success. I thought that was the most interesting part of that. Because Urban in college always picked jobs where there was talent. And so you could win quickly... And usually his first year was a major improvement, and then his second year was awesome. <laughs> that, that was the way it usually worked. And in Jacksonville, they need more players. He's got they need eight, more he's talent. Got $80 million to work with. So is it long-term? I wonder his definition of long-term, how long he gives himself before he drives himself nuts. Well, I think that for the NFL, for, and combined with Urban, five years is long-term. I don't know that you can go beyond that. And the thing about the NFL, though, I don't know that most of the positions that you step into are going to be ready-made to win. Right. I don't normally see that. I think college is a different situation mm-hmm. uh, because you go – we've seen in college if you can win eight games, they'll fire you, you know, if you're coming from a legendary program. Uh, in the NFL, eight games while well, you're playing, what, four more? So that would be, like, you know, nine or ten basically if you move if you bump it up on on the ratio and normally coaches winning nine ten games they're not getting canned it's these programs that we see it in the nfl you've got a few really good teams and then you've got the bulk of everybody else and then you got a few real crappy teams and those teams that are real crappy seem to change coaches all the time and so that's the situation that you have there so i I don't think he was going to step into a ready-made deal, and I think you know that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's 
analyze this thing. I don't think he just walks in. Yeah, I want to get back into coaching and I want to try the NFL. Jacksonville? Oh, okay. No, I, I mean, I don't think it's to that point. I think that when he's done all this stuff that he says, that's exactly what he's done. This guy's a great talent evaluator, too. I mean, I, I think the world of him. I mean, obviously, I think he's a win, virtually win at all cost guy. He's had baggage. But, uh, you know, colleges barely care about baggage anymore. Forget about the NFL. It's, it, can you win? You know, just win. And I think that's what you're going to see. And I, I do believe it's going to take some time. I don't expect an overnight success off a 2-14 and 14 team. But at the same time, if anybody could do it, it'd be Urban. I mean, if they get to, what, seven wins next season, you'd have to consider that a success after having won only two games. I assume you're going to take Trevor Lawrence. You're going to have a rookie quarterback, too. And there's no reason not to put him right into the mix. So I would think that that would happen also. Jacksonville's coming off a 1-15 season. Can they improve that by 4-5? Wow. 7, that'd be a 6-win improvement. And you That's would, right. You would sign off on that right now. It was the Jets who won two games. I just yes. gave the Jacksonville gave, one more win than they had. You gave yeah. them a bonus victory. I thought they were both 2-14, and 14, but you're right. Jacksonville only had one win. Yeah. And it was the opener, so they're carrying a 15-game losing streak. They beat the Colts week one. That's and then, amazing. nothing. Yeah. And really didn't come... Close very often, and they had a couple of them in there. <clears throat> That's like a friend of mine, uh, high school baseball. First AB, he goes deep, and that was the only hit he had the whole season. <laughs> oh, jeez. Closed his eyes and swung, got the results, and was done, huh? <laughs> well, looking back, I don't know how he did it, but you're one for one with uh, uh, a long ball. You're thinking, wow, this is this going to be my season. Nope, that was it. Atlanta Falcons, Atlanta Falcons, there are reports that they've offered their head coaching position to the Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith. He's been at Tennessee the past two years. And how's it going for Tennessee the past two years, PK? Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I just don't know about any of these hires. I don't know good or bad. And that's gonna, I'm going to stick with my philosophy, even though I pumped up Urban. But the rest of them, the Niners hired this, uh, or the uh, Jets hired this Niners guy. Yep. Salah. He got, he got interview requests from six or seven teams, and he took the Jets gig. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Well, I don't know if I feel pressure. The reality of it is when you take this job, our job is to win championships. Our job is to year in and year out be in the conversation of the college football playoff. And I can't I can't have my head in the sand and not recognize that. Now, we've got a lot of work to do. I don't necessarily feel the pressure because I recognize what the job is. That's Steve Sarkeesian. Does he feel pressure at Texas? He ought to. <laughs> to me, I find it's always interesting when you bring up the word pressure. People assume pressure and they go to the choke card. Yes. Like, you can't handle the pressure. The fact is, absolutely he has pressure. I think Donovan Mitchell was talking about pressure the other day in one of his Zoom meetings, and we played some of it. I have no problem acknowledging that all these guys are under pressure. Yes, they are. I don't see why you run from it. Embrace it. And those are the ones who realize this is a pressure situation, but this is exactly what I want. Because if you have a pressure situation, that means the expectations are very high. 
And that's what you want. You you don't want to run from them because you can run from them all you want, but everybody else around you, the fans and the media and the boosters and all that stuff and the administrators, they're not running from it because they recognize it. Now, I don't think Sarkeesian was necessarily running from it, but I always find it funny to me to a degree when you bring up pressure with these folks, they try to deny it. Pressure means there's opportunity, and when you give somebody a few million bucks, whether it's a college football coach or an NBA player or whoever, Urban Meyer, NFL coach, when you give someone a couple million bucks, there's an opportunity. Get me to that opportunity, well, then there's pressure. And I guess what they're saying is it's not any different or anything unusual. There's no way you can be a head coach at a program like Texas and not have pressure because there's opportunity, they're giving you a gazillion dollars, and they expect you to get them to that opportunity. So if you don't want the pressure, well, don't be a college football coach. Well, uh, really, but don't be anything, though. Yeah. Everybody feels pressure. You know my, you know where my wife works, and she would tell me she sees these guys, she's known them for a number of years, and they're playing fill-in-the-blank school. Oh, man, on Monday, you know, we really got to bear down this week. And she's thinking, What? You're going to be up by 30 at halftime. But you know know what I'm saying? They all put that on them, which is fine. As long as you don't let it devour you, you're good to go. Alabama had four underclassmen declare for the NFL draft. Mac Jones, the quarterback. Wide receiver Jalen Waddell. Christian Barmore on the D-line. Patrick Sertain at quarterback. At cornerback, Devontae Smith, Najee Harris. Also possible first-rounders. Four, five, or six. Place your bets, people. How many first-rounders will the Crimson Tide have? Out of those dudes, I would think every one of them. PK takes the number six. That's what the projections are. All six go in the first round. Six out of 32. Wow. No wonder they're undefeated. (laughs) You want to win it all? How do you get six NFL first-rounders? What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up, Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He'll join us at 8 o'clock. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, coming up at 8.30. Stay with us. Let's go. The Big Show. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. From The Athletic, he's our friend, Sam Amick. Our listeners love to hear what you think of the Jazz. Does this team have the potential to do something beyond the expected? Yeah, I think they do. I really like the Donovan, Rudy Gobert combo. They have things in their corner that were not in their corner in the bubble. They have Bogdanovich, they have Mike Conley, and Jordan Clarkson. So I think the potential is there. Within all that, I think it's Donovan elevating his game again. Say what you will about Brooklyn. They have three future Hall of Famers and two former MVPs and two champions within that three teams like the Jazz and most others can't compete with that on a star level. So can Donovan be a top 15 guy? Can he be a top 10 guy? And that's what he's got to be pushing for. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes, Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. At Jerry Seiner Cadillac, you can shop your way and get a piece of luxury you deserve. Stop, stop by and test drive one today. All right, PK, you went to work on Facebook yesterday. You put up a ton of questions. One of them (laughs) brought an avalanche of responses. How is the greatest coach in Utah history going to do at Jacksonville? 
Do you think it was Colin Urban, the greatest coach that got people going? Or yeah. you just think Urban gets people going? Yes and yes, I get your point. But yes, <laughs> I, think it, I think it's both. Urban is a polarizing figure. Uh, it, I think polarizing is more accurate than controversial. Controversial is an easy word to throw around. But I think polarizing is better to use because when you look at Urban Meyer, he just generates so much emotion. And the thing about him is that he's done it in various parts of the country, basically every part. Uh, If you go, we're in the west and and, uh, Florida's in the south or southeast, both, and then Midwest, Ohio, uh, man, he's about covered just about every part of it. And, you know, SC, the SC fans had clamored for Urban for a good long while while he's been unemployed, as far as a coach goes anyway. And now that looks like that's not going to happen, you know, because they thought, well, let's get Urban in here. Yeah, well, he's had 30 people arrested. Yeah, but so what? I mean, (laughs) we need a national title. Yeah, look how much he's won and all that stuff. So Urban Meyer is a name that resonates. And I was just thinking about this in the break that it, It's good for football. You know, one of the knocks against basketball is that it's the glamour locations that these guys want to go to, and one or two guys, certainly the two right guys, can make a massive difference. And so it's actually good that he's, I could argue, that he's going the least glamorous spot in the country right now. Literally the least glamorous in the NFL. So I actually like that, that, it's not just going, you, know, you can sell Florida and I get that warm weather and he has a history there, but so what? Because if he would have made it known, uh, say last year, Hey, uh, I'm really interested in going to Dallas. You would have had to think that maybe Jones would have done it and maybe he would relinquish some control. I don't know. I'm just kind of talking here, but I like the fact that it's not a glamor media market because you'd like to think in this world of sports that everybody has a shot if you do things right. So it's sort of cool to see him go to a place where, you know, X amount of months ago we would have thought, oh, no way. Hmm. Jacksonville equals NFL backwater. And, and you can argue whether Buffalo or Detroit or – but Jacksonville has no tradition. And, and they've been so bad for so long, and it's such a small market. So you're right. He's, he's not taking the sexy gig. Yeah, and I think that's cool. NBA like to talk about years, fantastic. Yeah, particularly if you're in Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, so the question, how is the greatest coach in Utah history going to do at Jacksonville? And Brian, a very insulting question to Coach Witt and Armstrong, too. Ike Armstrong, a pre-World War II coach who's the winningest coach in terms of uh, total wins in Utah history. And Kyle will probably pass him here in, I would think, the next two years. It was what type of question was it? Totally insulting. Is that what you said? Uh, a very insulting oh, very question insulting. is what Brian posted. Yeah, I don't think it's very insulting at all. If you go by win percentage, those guys are around seventy percent, and Urban won ninety-one percent of his games. That's outrageous. <laughs> and he took outrageous. over a program that hadn't won an outright conference championship in like fifty For, years 40, or something. It was forty-five years. Forty-five, and he won two of them in two years. And they've won one more since. And obviously they changed conferences, so it's a little apples and oranges. But you get the point. You're, you were here for two years, and they've now won uh, three conference titles in, what are we going on, 60 years, 63 years. 
Yeah. And you got two of them. And the other 59 years, they got one. <laughs> I don't think it's insulting. And Kyle Whittingham is going to go down as the winningest coach. He's going to have a phenomenal career. He's already had one. Uh, he established the program. It took him a couple of years, which actually is just absolutely amazing that basically it only took two or three years to establish yourself as a legitimate program in the Pacific 12 to where every national media guy, you'd never hear anything negative about Utah. Even when they say, oh, they got the quarterback issues. Well, that's all secondary. It's all about, oh, the sturdiness and they're tough and how they'll battle you and they're always there. The Utah program gets as much love nationally as any program in the conference. And that's largely because of Kyle Whittingham. So I don't think it's very insulting. I think Kyle has gotten his due. He's paid extremely well. Uh, you know, you, And then when you were talking about yesterday, how money, uh, the same amount of money can go uh, a different distance depending on which market you're in. Well, in the Utah market, it goes one hell of a long way. <laughs> <laughs> goes all the way to Hawaii. <laughs> and plus all the benefits that he has. And, yeah, and he's spent his money wisely. And I can tell you some investments and all that, but that's his personal business. So he's getting all the adoration, and he'll be picked uh, very high next season, if not literally at the top of the South or conference, I guess, uh, is how they do it. Hopefully we have a Pac-12 media day and we can see all that and celebrate that like we've done for so many years. So I don't think there's any disrespect at all to any coach. Ryan says, I don't know how he'll do. He's still the coach at Utah. Ryan is firmly in Kyle's camp. Isn't it awesome? We got all these people saying Kyle's the best coach in Utah history, and we also have people who tweet us all the time about firing him. <laughs> people are all over the yes. map. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, what other coach who coached in Utah has gone on and done what Urban has done? Uh, boy, off the top of my head, that'd be a big old gigantic uh, nobody. I mean, coaches, a lot of coaches don't leave here, and a lot of coaches are here so long that there aren't that many coaches here. Majerus left and, and went to an NCAA tournament, but he didn't do what Urban did, which is Okay, then before they got here. And, uh, yeah, also before. Um, you know, Bronco left. Um, he did leave. But there aren't that many coaches. You know, it's, it's, it's been really stable here. There's no other way around it. Uh, Gary Anderson went off to Wisconsin and got to a Big Ten title game. I mean, none of these are coming very close to what Urban pulled off. And ironically, got smoked by Urban's team in the conference title game. I think Frank Layden did some great work with the Stars. Didn't really leave, but okay. You don't have to leave. I thought you take another job. I thought you put that in the question. I didn't. That was part of the question. It wasn't exclusively. Uh, you, their coaching career. Not, I didn't limit it to exclusively in Utah or out of Utah. It's whatever. It's their their coaching career. Come on. I mean, I think Urban is the runaway winner. Yeah, he is. Aaron Sargent posts, considering how much he hates losing, it's going to take a toll on Urban's already noted health. You can't recruit in the NFL. Wishing him the best of luck, but this doesn't really make sense to me. Well, you can recruit in the NFL. It's not like you can in college. 
but if you have the money available, and Yaka already talked about, and they were talking about that all day yesterday, about the $80 million, that involves recruiting. So it's not the same in the purest sense, but you can get players that want to come play for you. I mean, it's clear Derek Favors wanted to come play for the Jazz. Yep. Right? So that was basically a recruitment sense. It's like a kid who goes to BYU. Derek Favors was like one of these countless kids who grew up dreaming of going to play for BYU. Derek Favors wanted to play for the Jazz. And so as long as they gave him what he was looking for financially, he was good to go. And that's one small example but I think you can. It's not, it's not the pure sense. And the, the health thing, I don't take that lightly, but how much of the health thing in the two cases were contributed by the off-the-field stuff? Because they were both there. They had Florida. You had 30-some guys get arrested, right? And in, uh, with Ohio State, you had the receivers. What was it, the receivers coach Smith? and his ex-wife, and the domestic abuse, and what did Urban know, and he got suspended, I think it was three games at the start of the season. Uh, so uh, I don't think you can totally divorce yourself from that those two incidents to determine how much did they play into it, how much was he irritated, how much did it contribute to the health issues. Now, I don't know. I'm not a doctor by any stretch, but they both had – similar circumstances and here if you turn around and you do like the Cowboys sign that Hardy guy who already had domestic abuse issues maybe you don't take it well look at Cincinnati you know we hear Doc Rivers and what he was saying I don't have a problem with you know but oh but if it would have been reverse well that what's that kid's name Mixon suppose it would have been reverse because he hit a Caucasian I and if it would have been reverse, I mean, come on. Let, let's have real discussion about real issues here. And yet he still managed to go to the NFL. And is anybody cracking on the Cincinnati coaches? Is that what he plays for the Bengals, right? Yep. I, I, no. Are the coaches the taking is, it? No, they're not. Right. We've got a kid who punched a female on video. On video. We see it. And he's in the NFL. And that will probably fall more on the GM or the owner. And so to your point, Urban's health stuff, to the degree that that's stress-related, I mean, there's whatever physiology or whatever, and we're not his doctor, who knows, but we know stress is hard on people. So to whatever degree this stuff is stress-related, certainly all those off-field issues were creating a bunch of stress. You'd think. Right. I don't know that. I can't say so. We're not doctors, but sitting here, that seems to make a lot of sense. Yeah, I would think so. Here's one for you. Aaron Worthington, different than the Aaron Sargent guy who just did the health thing. Another Aaron, though, says if it, it doesn't matter if Urban wins or becomes a total bust. He's going to be in Jacksonville four years, and he'll be back in college. He follows the dollars. Oh, if he follows the dollar, then the dollar's going to be at the NFL level, isn't it? They pay more. But I guess Aaron's point, you know, if it's run its course in four years and they want to move on, uh, he can get back in college and there'll be more money there. Maybe no one in the NFL will want him. That's kind of the Saban arc, right? I don't think anybody was going to hire him. It wasn't going that well in Miami. He jumped. He thought it'd run its course. He lands at Alabama. Nobody ever talks about the Dolphins anymore. What have you done for me lately? 
Even even when he won his sixth title at Alabama, they did mention LSU because he won one there, and that's mm-hmm. seven. But man, the Dolphins thing never came up. Yeah, the Dolphins. I'm not sure that I even remember that. Oh, and the players were furious with him. He left without saying anything. Maybe he left somebody a note. I'd have to go back and read that. And he quit on them. That the Dolphin players were just—he's a college guy. He was never all in. I thought that was uh, what's his face on the on the motorcycle at Louisville. What's what was that guy's name? Petrino. Yeah, when when he left at. at I might be confusing those two. You're right. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. Oh, the only thing I remember about Saban is that he said he wasn't going to take the job, and then he took it they a couple did. weeks later. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, but the fact that he's won, nobody cares. Nobody about cares that. about that. Nobody cares. Go back to college yeah, and I, win. I, I don't. You can argue he's going to be there ten years. You can argue he's going to be there four years, five years, whatever. And none of us really know. I I, I don't know any about that. And really, that doesn't matter right now. That things will play out as they play out, obviously. I'm more intrigued by that he's back in coaching. And I would rather see him in the NFL because we have a personal connection. We have literally sat face-to-face with him to the point where, man, I want to go play football in the parking lot right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do. And he, he got us so fired up. He was so charismatic and magnetic. And his wife used to call me to talk to me about stuff when she was here. They were so dynamic. I have never met a couple like that. And I want to see what he can do. You better believe, man, we're going to be following Jacksonville a thousand times more than we've ever followed Jacksonville, and we've never followed Jacksonville. So if we follow him 1% more, that'll be 1% more than we ever did. This is something that is way intriguing, and we love, we're in the story business. If you're a media person, that's ultimately what you're in, the story business, and this is a phenomenal story. I always checked Wisconsin and Oregon State scores because, Gary, I checked Texas Tech and Virginia scores now, and you're right. Absolutely. What's going on in Jacksonville? And now you don't you don't have to check them. They'll be blaring They'll be right, right in front, front of your of you. face. Yeah. No, but even just like looking on a on a on, no, a, on a ticker, you know, during know a game, I'm watching a game. I'm like, hey, yeah. what's going on in that game? I got you. I got you. And there's you know the colleges. There's way more games. Yep. But in the NFL, we I feel like I I became a huge Bucks fan this year because I saw them every week. What are they going to do <laughs> television wise with Jacksonville next season? That's interesting because that's the one way that a local TV station can talk to a network and get games flipped, that's the most reliable thing you can do, is to say, hey, there's a local tie you're missing. And they can't keep track. There's too many players, so that stuff, that stuff will escape them sometimes. And there's a local tie. Bowler's got a story about when Detmer was in Philly and they got a game flipped. They got like a 17 rating. Like, yeah, the network didn't forget that. Um, so you're right. It, it could happen. And, and I think the Bucks were on TV here either 13 or 14 times in the 16 weeks. So they, they were basically a local team here. Whatever network, you know, they end up primetime games. They were all over the place. Um, but whatever network had a chance, and they, they got Tom Brady on the air. All right, DJ and PK, Lincoln Kennedy's coming up to talk NFL playoffs and how he thinks Urban will do. We will do that with uh, we'll do that conversation with Lincoln in about 15 minutes. He'll be right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Jazz and Hawks tonight, and we'll get to that next. Stay with us. Number one. Because you're number one. 
The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotting and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, The Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, I want to remind you that Valentine's Day is not far away. Flowers make the perfect gift. Jimmy's Flowers, a longtime partner with The Zone, can make it easy by visiting them at jimmysflowers.com. Remember, Valentine's is on Sunday this year. jimmysflowers.com. Cool. Less than a month away. We are closing in on it, aren't we? You're right. Yep. February 14th. Today's January 15th. Good calendar work by you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I did not realize Good this was a month away. Good calendar work. That's a GCW for PK. Well, yeah, see, Yak, there's a bigger issue here, and I think it's obvious. We're like on a draft analyst show here. Good calendar work by Good you. Calendar work. The, the difference is that you and I, Yak, we look forward to payday. For DJ, it doesn't really matter. That is a good point. Okay, so the, the, the bottom line gets a little bigger. But when it's that big, what difference does it make? Whereas we're, you know, we're basically in the hang-on mode. I need the cash to come in to get the people off the you-know-what. For the snake that. dog, yeah, yeah. You said uh, to yeah. school six hundred grand, six hundred thousand. Yeah, that's cool. You're lucky I don't get into your finances on the air. That's all I'm going to say. You Paycheck is my finances. You real estate mogul, you. My, I, I had nothing to do with that. That's not my... <laughs> we talked about the east of <laughs> what you benefit from it. Foothill yesterday. Uh huh. You I know, mean, we didn't talk old. about. Yeah. Well, we need to talk about. I'm a janitor's son. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's never forget right. that. My inheritance was approximately literally zero. Uh-huh. Zero. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Not ape. Now, my wife, yeah. <laughs> okay. Me, there we go. Now we're getting some truth. <laughs> but me. Zippo. Zip freaking zero. Zip. I got proud a of, it. of course you the do. The old ZFZ. <laughs> Zip freaking zero. <laughs> I got a big TV. I, you know, it just, the thing about it is I appreciate that you stay humble, but that time you bragged about the size of your television really did get under my skin. No, I don't know what TV. I was doing, but thanks for that. And thanks for the selective <laughs> editing. I was comparing it to a little phone, but whatever. <laughs> well, big deal. You got a big. You said you got a big, a big TV. TV. Yeah. How could you misquote some when you're using their very words? What do you? What was it, Charles Barkley on his autobiography? TV. I'm comparing a 50 inch screen to a three inch screen. A big TV. You didn't say you got a bigger TV. You said I got a big TV. You didn't no. say you got a bigger TV. No, a big TV these days is probably in the eighty inch range. Have you seen the eighty five inch? Eighty five. Okay, yeah. so eighty five inch. I, I do not have the four K eighty five inch. Yeah, I don't have that. That's only because you choose not to. That see, that's back to humility again. Well, I appreciate that you're affluent <laughs> and and humble. Just stay in your lane, and we don't have any problem. But but you got out of your lane there's, a little bit there. There's and I had word. to call you out. There's another word, if we're just going to be honest, that I have to throw out here. And, and this is supposed to be jazz talk time, but, you know, let's make fun of Snickledorf time. Is Everything's also important. good. Yeah, Yay. yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't leave out the word lazy. I just can't be bothered. I just, like, 
Listen, I I saw the use of Cougars and the Aggies. It was good enough. <laughs> I don't need an 85-inch TV. And I'm fabulous. Just ask me. <laughs> <laughs> what? No time for the Jazz now? Nothing. We can't even give mm-hmm. the Jazz 30 seconds. We've got, we got, we got time up. for the Jazz. Well, we got Lincoln coming up, and he doesn't want to have to explain to Lincoln. Okay, 30 seconds. Ready? Go. And go. I just think we need to focus on the opportunity is now for the Jazz. This team is way better at the start of this season than it was at the start of last season. The talent is better. The guys in rotation now are better than those guys. And they got a guy who's 31. They got two guys who's 33. Joe's battling. I mean, they don't really want to go into how bad it is. But he's missing games. That's clear. He's going to miss this game. He's missed three of the last four games. Mr. Iron Man, it's bad. These guys probably aren't going to be as good in a year or two. This is a year. Don't squander the opportunity. That was 30? That was 30 seconds. Don't squander the opportunity. Drop the hammer on Atlanta. And a big game with Denver on Sunday. We can come back here Monday morning talking about a team that's got a five-game win streak. Tuesday morning, you're right. Monday, holiday. Thank you. Anything you want to add to that since we've already gone over time? No. DJ and PK coming up next. Lincoln Kennedy. Raider Radio Voice talking NFL playoffs and Pac-12 Network analyst. Man, you're the Pac-12. You look over at Alabama and they got six guys who could go in the first round. How are you going to close that gap? Lincoln Kennedy coming up next.